Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may be merciful to all. Here with the Spirit is saying to the church.
and it was surrounded by a cement wall. Being a young woman who lived alone, far from home, in such a nice house, I was pretty protective of myself and my space. So the presence of a very intrusive neighbor named Yahoo presented quite a challenge to me. Yakubu was a middle-aged man whose wife and children had left, and whose uncles had been passing him around trying to get him to work in one of the many different family business endeavors. And the most recent attempt to put Yakubu to use was assigning him as the caretaker of the rental property, my house. The previous Peace Corps volunteer had fired him, but Yakubu reinstalled himself upon my arrival, which means that he knocked on my gate at least three or four times a day to either tell me to do things or to tell me things about the house, mainly that he should have access to things in my house, like the refrigerator. <laughs> also, whenever the electricity would go out, he would come over and tell me to turn it back on. I finally realized that this was because he had wired our houses together so that I was paying for the electricity in both homes. While stealing my electricity, he would come home over every morning and helpfully remind me to turn off my porch light so that I wouldn't have too high of an electrical bill. When I found and cut the wire buried between our houses. He, without electricity, came over to investigate the ground where the wire had been. When I saw him, he told me he was just coming to look at the mango trees. And to prove himself, he spent the next hour up in the tree in my front yard dropping mangoes on my roof. And then he gathered the mangoes up, told me the house was for me, the mangoes were for him, and he stormed off. During our first year as neighbors, Yakubu routinely climbed over my wall, snuck around my yard, took my outdoor furniture away, and attempted to rewire our houses together. I routinely practiced my language skills by shouting at Yakubu in broken French. And then one night, Yakubu found my dog Einstein, who had run away, and brought Einstein home to me. When I thanked him, we had one of our typical incoherent conversations. Neither of us were very good at French, actually, but that was our only common language. He said, you know, one died today. Guessing that he was referring to the dead dog I had seen in the road. I said, I know, I saw it on the road. Yakubu looked at me confused and said, no. The one who comes here from the city on his motorcycle. Yakubu, I asked, are you talking about a person? Yes, our neighbor's brother. He died at 7.30 tonight. He explained, explained to me that the man had fallen ill and had died and that there would be a funeral in the morning. As he started to walk away, I asked him if the man had been a friend of his. Yes, he said. He came here from the city twice a week. We are all brothers here. I had seen death regarded as just another part of life by many of my neighbors, but Yakubu was clearly upset. I'm sorry, Yakubu, I stuttered, fishing for something that I knew how to say in French. Je vais prier pour ton cœur. I am going to pray for your heart. He looked at me, confused, knowing that I was Muslim and therefore and that, that I wasn't Muslim. There was this, this misunderstanding that Christians actually didn't pray. So he was confused, and I figured I had probably just said something either very offensive or very weird. But after that night, sometimes when he came to take mangoes, he would leave some on my porch for me. And I began to hire him to do electrical repairs in my house. Did I mention he was an electrician by trade? His antics never did cease, but they became tolerable, and at some point we stopped shouting at each other. People are complicated. 
sometimes hilariously so, sometimes surprisingly so. Today we hear of Joseph, sold into slavery by his, Joseph, by his jealous brothers, and yet grateful and full of love and forgiveness for them when they are finally reunited years later. He is open and vulnerable, and he weeps into the neck of his brother Benjamin and kisses the rest of his brothers, and then they speak with one another. Today we hear about Jesus, who calls a Canaanite woman a dog. She who is of a different nationality, she who is a woman in a man's world, she who has great faith and who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, when even his disciples are having a hard time wrapping their heads around his identity. She who came to him pleading for healing for her daughter, she who is persistent, she gets met by the incarnate God of love with disdain prejudice, and insult. And I have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that this Jesus is my Jesus. But Jesus was a person, and people are complicated, sometimes confusingly complicated. The stories of Joseph and his brothers, and of Jesus and the Canaanite woman, have much to teach us if we dig deeply into them. But I just want to highlight a common thread that I see in them that feels important to me today. In both stories, people are complicated. Life is difficult. And the choice to love leads to redemption. Joseph of today's first reading was sold by his brothers at the age of 17 and brought to Egypt as a slave. He had a hard life was framed by his master's life, spent years in prison, and then redeemed himself in the eyes of the Pharaoh by interpreting dreams. Years later, when he was a wealthy and successful man, his brothers, not knowing who he was, came to him for help during a famine. Joseph messed with them a bit, concealing his identity and making them jump from men to his hoops. But ultimately, he helped them. And unburdened by anger or resentment for all they had done to him, he loved them and cared for them and provided abundantly for them. Their family and brotherhood was redeemed. Their burdened consciences were healed. And they were each, literally and spiritually, fed and kept alive by a valiant act of forgiveness. This is redeeming love. Jesus in today's gospel has just been ranting about how following Levitical law is less important than leading an ethical life. And then he starts walking down the road and encounters a Canaanite woman, a woman from the tribe that is considered unclean and evil by Jesus' people. And Jesus snubs her. Is he giving into the social norm that he was just criticizing? Are we seeing that he really was 100% fallible and human, just as he is 100% divine and perfect? Is he finding himself in a learning moment? We don't know. We do know that the woman had the courage to push him. She showed that she knew he was the Messiah. She persisted with intelligence and met his insults with her own wit. And she broke him down, made him change his mind, made him act in love, made him heal her daughter. And when he changed his mind, he who has just been a complete hypocrite of a Jesus, he is redeemed and expanded and made available as the Messiah to everyone instead of just the children of Israel. And I'm left wondering how that redemption happened. Was the woman so in need of a Messiah that she saw him and she knew him and she would not let him be anything but the Messiah for her? I don't know. I just know that difficult love happens in a complicated moment 
and that that love was redeeming love. I'm also left wondering about the Canaanite woman's daughter. She says her daughter is tormented by a demon, a common explanation for those suffering from mental illness. In the wake of Robin Williams' death this past week, writer Annie Lamont wrote a powerful essay on mental illness and addiction. If you haven't seen it, I would commend it to you. In it, she wrote about herself and others with mental illness and addiction and depression and how intense and difficult life with mental illness is. She wrote about the importance of being there for one another. And she wrote about a loving God who is there to catch us in open arms when we don't make it. She wrote about how laughter is carbonated holiness and how Robin Williams' life was ultimate proof of that. I think she was writing about the most difficult kind of redemptive love, the kind where we see our brokenness, we seek help, we offer help, we love those who are most deeply in pain, and we weep together when whatever help we offer just isn't enough. People are complicated. Loving one another is hard. And we are asked to do it anyway. Back in Togo, it was hard for me to love Yaku. And I am willing to bet it was very hard for Yaku to love me. But I think somewhere along the line we decided to try to love one another anyway. I imagine it was hard for Joseph to love his brothers, but he loved them completely once he was given a chance. It is hard to love today's portrayal of Jesus, who seems so hypocritical and cruel. But then he changes his mind and learns and expands in front of us. And in all of these moments where we learn to love, redemption happens. There's a Robin Williams movie that I saw years ago, and it has had a grip on me ever since. It's called What Dreams May Come. Perhaps you've seen it. And in it, Robin plays a man who dies and is exploring heaven with a guide named Albert. He asks Albert, Where is God in all of this? And Albert answers, Oh, he's up there, somewhere, shouting down that he loves us, wondering why we can't hear him. I agree in part with Albert. But I also think that God is inside of us, shouting, and all around us, shouting, trying to get our attention, guiding us into the most difficult acts of love, of redeeming love. And I think that those most redeeming acts of love include, but are not limited to, forgiveness, willingness to change our minds, persistence in our search for healing, Courage in the presence of our own demons and those of others. And even humor in the midst of suffering. And I believe that when we find it in ourselves to love in those most difficult ways, we help make God's love manifest in this world.
Hear us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life.
Hallelujah, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us be pleased. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and 
feed on him in your hearts by faith that that is you. All who seek God
eternal God, heaven and all. You have graciously accepted us as dependents, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have led us to spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve with gladness and sinfulness of heart. In the name of this congregation, I send you forth, bearing in his that to those to whom we go, they share with us in the communion of Christ's body and love. We May God bless you with this comfort and easy answers, half truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may live deep within your heart. Amen. And may God bless you with anger and injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. Amen. And may God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world, so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. And the blessing of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies, be upon you and all you love and pray for this day.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah.